Hello and welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast with female thriller writers in conversation about characters who don't give a damn if you like them. Uh, I'm here with Kristen LaFianca. Hello. And Wendy Hurd. Hello. And uh, this week we're bringing you our first interview, which we're really excited about. But first, we're just going to tell you guys a little bit about our Thanksgiving. So Kristen, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, yeah, it was great. I, I'm an only child, so uh, and I grew up in a different state from my extended family. So Thanksgiving has always just been kind of me and my small family, um, along with my girlfriend, Joanna. And so we ate and then we did the, you know, the classic family activity of going to a murder movie. Um, we we saw Widows in the theater on Thanksgiving and it was excellent. I want to see that so bad. Yeah, it's really good. I'm going to go next week. Definitely um, see it. Yeah, I had a pretty chill Thanksgiving. My mother is visiting. I actually had three Thanksgiving dinners uh, at various people's houses, and I didn't have to cook anything. Epic. <laughs> Epic. So I'm living my best life. And uh, also my friend brought to one of them a Nutella French silk pie, which is the greatest thing I've ever eaten oh, in my life. Yes. I would eat it every day. So that was my Thanksgiving. What about you, Wendy? Um, I'm going to tell you, and you're going to be like, bitch um i went to the beach and (laughs) (laughs) how dare you uh yeah that's what i do on thanksgiving i go to the beach and then we make pie so then we eat pie when we get home from the beach sometimes we go to get like a jewish deli dinner after the beach so that's what we did and then something became apparent on thanksgiving you guys uh taking this to a little bit of another science corner uh (laughs) our weekly feature now (laughs) So as some of our listeners might remember, my husband had a misunderstanding about bird uh, migration habits. He thought that bird migration was bird hibernation, um, (laughs) which is something that he's now known for. Um, And I was talking to him at Thanksgiving and people were talking about how, you know, turkey meat makes you sleepy. I don't eat meat. I haven't eaten meat since I was a kid. But is that that's a thing, right? Like turkey makes you sleepy. Mm-hmm. Well, he said, yeah, it's from the tryptophan that they inject the turkeys with. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? wait, what do you mean they inject the turkeys with tryptophan? He's like, well, yeah, like to make them docile before they kill them. I always thought they injected them with the tryptophan. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. And so he thought that the like injection of tryptophan is what makes them docile and then it makes you docile after you eat it i mean that would be really disturbing if if they were injected with something that then acted upon i know human consumers i know <laughs> we're all just dying to know what other misapprehensions about birds he has we're gonna get to the bottom of this yes <laughs> so anyway so that was a highlight for me to find another delightful husband science fact to bring back to y'all <laughs> Well done. <laughs> well Thank done, <you>. yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so should we get going with our interview? I'm so excited. Yes, we're all very yes. excited. All right. So, I, Wendy, will be interviewing the lovely Hannah Mary McKinnon. Say hi, Hannah. Hi, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thanks very Welcome. much for having me on the show today. Thank you for coming. We're so excited to have you. I mean, first of all, just so y'all know, I know Hannah personally because we had the same editor for the last year or so. Um, and now we have different editors, on, sadly, because our editor left. But we both have new editors that we're very happy with. And mm-hmm. um, and she's just awesome. We got to chatting, and we've read for each other. We attended a conference together. And so now we're like, you know, blood sisters. Yes. 
And um, and so, Hannah, would you tell us a little bit about your book, The Neighbours? Sure, I'd love to. So The Neighbours is my second novel, and it's in the realm of domestic suspense. So I, I started off uh, with a rom-com, actually, and then realised that I only would ever have one rom-com in me and uh, crossed over to the dark side, which is so nice. much more fun. Um, so The Neighbours is essentially the story about two people who uh, were boyfriend and girlfriend, haven't seen each other for almost two decades, and then um, the guy, Liam, moves in next to Abby. And uh, they're now married to other people with whom they have children, and in their wisdom they decide not to tell their respective partners that they used to be lovers. So, hmm, lies, deceit, betrayal, and no good can come of this, of course. So it's uh, maybe a bit of a cautionary tale, I suppose. <laughs> now, before we talk more, I just think you need to explain to the world why you have such a gorgeous voice. Where are you from? <laughs> explain yourself. <laughs> oh, well, first of all, thank you. Um, and second, I was born in the UK, my mum is English, my dad is half English, half Swiss. So although I sound very English, and I am, I have a very, very dark sense of humour, that's for sure. Um, but I'm always on time, so I'm very Swiss from that part. <laughs> it's very odd. Uh, so I actually... But grew- now you live in Canada. I do. So I grew up, in, born in England, grew up in Switzerland, and uh, my husband's Canadian. That's where the Canadian connection came in. So we met, he moved to Switzerland... Uh, and after 11 years and three kids, we decided that Canada was a better option for us as a as a family. So here we are. Too many mountains, huh? Too no, much chocolate. no, I miss the mountains mm. and the chocolate. But Canada's <laughs> great. If I, if I honestly, if I hadn't not, if we hadn't come to Canada, I don't think I'd be writing because I had a, a high flying CEO executive career and stuff. So uh, now I get to sit in my pajamas uh, with my hair and an 80s scrunchie and write stuff. Cool. Well, we love that. And we love 80s scrunchies. Um, (laughs) No, we don't. They should be burned. (laughs) No, they're wonderful and they're comfortable. Yes. And we'll talk about that on our next uh, corner. Um, So I want to know, we're going to talk about Abby today. She's the female lead in The Neighbors. And the reason we like Abby is that I want to say you've told me that people find her unlikable. Can you tell me a little bit about her, about her plot arc, her character arc, without spoilers? Yes. So, uh, no spoiler, the um, the first scene is a car accident in the early 90s where Abby's brother, Tom, dies. And uh, she's responsible, and that basically messes her up for ever. Um, she, never, she never forgives herself, and she pushes her boyfriend, Liam, the one who then, um, two decades later, almost moves in next door, she pushes him away um, because she feels that he is definitely going to end up hating her just as much as she hates herself, if not more. And she, she doesn't want to hang around for that to happen. So she just she pushes him away. But she also feels that she doesn't deserve to be loved. She has a very difficult relationship with her mother. Her father left when she and her brother were you know tweens. So she's had a very difficult and complex upbringing and relationship with her mum then her brother dies who she loves more than anyone in the world and then she pushes this her boyfriend away the love of her life essentially so I loved Abby because she was so she was so damaged and for me it was fascinating to write about her because 
I wanted to explore what those kinds of events can do to somebody, you know. Um, that's really what what I was trying to, to do with the book. And people, some people liked her and could empathise with her and feel for her. And some people just could not get over the fact that she has feelings for her ex-boyfriend and essentially betrays her husband. So that's where a lot of... Um, uh, animosity towards this character came from, I believe. Is like the infidelity aspects of the story? Yes. Is that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess the question is, I know that you also have, I mean, obviously you have Abby, but then you have her, the male per- ca- character Liam, in the story yeah. also. Yeah. And you felt like people feel the same way about I do. Him. I think, I mean, some people really liked Liam. Some people were rooting for Abby and Liam as a couple and others were not (laughs) so it was very it was very split you know that some people were very adamant that you know you're married um there's just there's just no adultery whatever the reason and all that um and I keep when I was reading some of the reviews I I kept thinking but it's not real (laughs) these characters are not real um but so I mean some of the reviews were very critical of their decisions you know and and one in particular stood out to me where the reader said you know Abby and Liam they both need a shrink and and their their uh, spouses need to to go and uh, realize what what they're really worth and and the the kids both need a slap across the face and I thought wow a that's that's quite a you know it's a one-star review ow but on the other hand the reader sounded so engaged and 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 felt must have felt that these characters were so real that basically I'd done my job so I was I was okay with that review (laughs) so I I hear what you're saying is that like you'd almost rather engage people and upset them than not engage them and have them be sort of oh yeah I'd much rather somebody say you know I hated these characters because than say yeah I didn't really care for the book at all you know at least I made them feel something so here's a question um what are your thoughts about how to create an unlikable character, but people are still engaged by them? I think you told me one time about this um, this book, yes. Best Day Ever, that you felt like yes, was successful yes. that way. Yes, Best Day Ever is by Kyra Ruder. Um, and she's <laughs> she created this character, Paul, who's the narrator of the book. And right from the beginning, he's disturbing and disturbed, frankly. But I couldn't help wanting to read more about him because he was just he was just so engaging his voice um the you know you knew or I knew as I was reading the the novel that he was up to no good that was absolutely clear and his his wife is the target and it's almost like a car crash I guess in a way although I I don't think I'd actually watch a car crash so that might be a bad example but it was just it was just fascinating to see what he was going to do whether he was going to get away with it and I hoped he wouldn't and I couldn't wait for him to basically get his comeuppance you know Um, and you could see the way she she wove the story there were parts of him that were still almost endearing. So he wasn't just out and out bad. Most people, I hope, are not out and out bad or out and out good either. They're all nuanced and and layered. And that was definitely what she was able to do with, with that character. So to your question as to how to, to create 
an unlikable character. I think that they still need to be human. You know, you have people who do terrible, terrible acts um, to other people and who then go home and are, you know, perfect fathers or perfect husbands or wives or whatever, uh, or girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever. And it just, nobody is completely bad and nobody is completely good. So if you can find somehow a way to make the character at least human, then I think you have more chance of hooking the reader and then wanting to read until the end and find out what's actually going to happen and, and what's going on with that character and why they are the way they are. I think that's important too. You know, if you have if you have a bad character, that's that's great. But explain to me what made them that way. Why are they making the choices today? What happened to them in the past that made them so? Okay, so we've been talking about Abby, who we all love. Are we going to talk about Nancy also? Because I have I have Nancy thoughts. Nice. <laughs> well, first of all, <laughs> Hannah, explain who Nancy is, because I don't think we mentioned her by name yet. Sure. So Nancy is Liam's wife. So Liam is Abby's ex-boyfriend, and Nancy is his wife, and they have a son together called Zach. Yeah, I, when I was reading it, I was expecting, because uh, uh, Wendy had told me that you've gotten some blowback for you know, one of your female characters being unlikable. And I thought it would have been Nancy because she was the one I liked the least. (laughs) I thought the same thing because Nancy is like so calculating in what she's doing. And like Abby is kind of like swept up in emotion, but Nancy is like clinical about what she's up to. Yes. Yes, she is. And uh, well, well, two things. There was some some blowback about Nancy as well, because she was manipulative and also about the men, too, because everybody everybody has secrets in the story, uh, including the kids. I mean, they 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 all do. Um, (laughs) But Nancy was a late a late arrival to the party. Actually, she was a suggestion from my editor when she originally read the first version of The Neighbours. Nancy was a character in it, but she didn't have her own chapters. And Michelle, my editor, she said, you know, I kept waiting for Nancy to do something. I thought she was going to be manipulative and calculating. What if we added in some chapters of her own? I thought, ooh, that's interesting. I like that. And so Nancy's chapters were born. So it wasn't, I I won't take credit for her. Um, That was uh, Michelle's idea. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I found, um, I mean, yeah, everyone in the story has secrets. Everyone does some questionable things. But with Abby, I could really understand where she was coming from. And she's been through this traumatic experience. And she and Liam were so deeply in love. So you could understand how she could get swept up. And with Nancy, it felt, um, some of the things she was doing, it felt like pettier. Like she was yes. just yeah. <laughs> doing it to, you know, get revenge. Or, which, you know, I love that also. I, I like a calculating female character for sure. But I was surprised that Abby was the one that people latched onto uh, as as the most hated character because I love her. Yes, I, I did too. <laughs> well, and also, is it just me or did y'all picture Nancy like being really hot, like with boobs and like... Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I was, and <laughs> like... Yes. And then like, you know, Abby's sort of wayfish, I think. Yes. I think she's a more aesthetic and Nancy is more like, you know, uh, sensual. And so also, I think that's also true. It's like, I wonder if people reacted well to Nancy because of that as well you know hmm, could be yeah yeah I mean if if I if I could choose somebody to play Nancy I would I would plump for uh, Kate Winslet mm. now she's my favorite character yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I pictured Nancy really blonde though like 
oh kind did of you glam interesting i don't know oh, why yeah. like okay. glammed out like maybe because of growing up in la i was like boobs thin hot okay we're throwing a fake tan on this woman we're bleaching her hair i don't know that's so la wendy so like la my my picture in my brain but kate winslet is blonde sometimes so yeah that works too all right well i don't know hannah you talk sometimes about you have all these interesting craft techniques to writing your multi-layered characters that i love i feel like i've learned things from you and i just wonder i know we have a lot of writers who listen do you have any tips for writing multi-layered characters that you would like to share? Sure. Um, one of the things that I started doing, well, actually, that I've done for the past three novels is interviewing my characters. And that sounds that sounds a bit bizarre, um, but it isn't. It's something I found online. Again, I won't take credit for it, but it's basically three pages of questions that I fill in for most, not the secondary character or not the, you know, the even the third characters I guess but for my main characters the book I'm writing right now I did um, I think six six interviews on maybe nine um, and there are simple things like what they look like obviously um, but then also a childhood memory have they ever seen a dead body and how did they react to that do they have a recurring nightmare uh, what's their bank balance if they inherited 10 grand what would they do with it tons and tons of what do they drive if they drive at all if they were a car what car would they be which I thought that was really odd but I answered it anyway and a Ford Escort (laughs) I'll be an Aston Martin vanquish thank you very much (laughs) or I'd like to think I was but I'd probably end up being a dented mini or something I don't know um so most of these answers and most of this stuff will never make it into the book but it gives me the opportunity to really understand the characters that I'm that I'm creating. So instead of just saying, okay, so she's, you know, tall, blonde and got big boobs, um, it's she's tall, blonde, she's got big boobs, and when she was a kid, her mum used to lock her in the basement. Yeah, you know, th- those kinds of things. So it, it just enables me to get to know them better, frankly. Can and- I just tell you that I've never lived in a city that had basements and I'm so fascinated that <laughs> People have basements, and I just feel like, why would you build this basement? Is it because you want people to all be murderers? Is it because you want to give everybody a place to stash bodies? Like, it's just weird. It's a I don't hole think underneath. basements are really all that interesting. It's fascinating to me that you find basements fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, in, in Switzerland, we had to have a bomb shelter in our house. Nice. That, that was a prerequisite when you built a house. You don't have to anymore, but... Um, at the time, certainly when I was growing up there as a kid, you had to have a, a, not just a bomb shelter, but a nuclear bomb shelter. So, yeah, there you go. Even more weird. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Google it. It's true. Really. What? <laughs> and you're supposed to stock it with food and stuff. So, anyway. So, <laughs> back okay. to the multi-layering. Back to the multi I'll have to fit that into a story somehow. Okay. Um, Um, And on the next uh, real estate corner, we'll cover. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I have a question for you because we've talked about this. Um, I like the anatomy of story. I don't know that everybody has read it, but there's a book called Anatomy of Story by John Truby. It's a screenwriting book. Uh, It's a really great tool. I especially like how he talks about the character web and figuring out, how each character kind of relates to each other character and I feel like you have a thing that you use that's similar to that 
Yeah, so I, I mean, it's very rudimentary. I, I, I take a piece of paper, um, draw the main character in the middle, and then the secondary characters all around, and then do an arrow from the main character to the secondary character and one returning, and then write what the main character wants from the secondary character and vice versa, and hopefully uh, it's not the same thing, because otherwise there's no conflict and that would make for a very boring story. So it's essentially a conflict chart. And that keeps me on track too, to make sure that there's enough friction between the characters and conflict um, that will hopefully hold the reader's interest. So in in The Neighbours, for example, you have these four point of view characters. You also have the kids. And I thought you did a very successful job. And part of what probably made these quote unquote unlikable characters so interesting was that, I don't know if it's unlikable is the right word, but it's just that they all want really different things and they all want things from each other. So Abby wants something from Liam, you know, and he wants something from Nancy and Nancy wants something, you know, so every I feel like you didn't only make them want something from one main character, you wanted them all want something, you made them all want something from each other, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, it does. Yes. And that put them all in conflict with each other. And then once you liked one character, the fact that someone wanted something from them that you didn't want that character to have to give, it made them almost unlikable. Does that make sense? It, it does. I mean, it's a whole... Between these, these two families, there's so many secrets and lies and tangled relationships. Um, they probably... One of the reviewers is probably right. They do all need to see a shrink, you know? <laughs> I mean, don't we all? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I think that's really, really helpful. I Any other craft things you want to add to this before we move on? Because I, I just think you have so many interesting tips that you've sort of acquired well you know the the main I think that there are two pieces of advice that that I took and that, that changed the way I write one is if you're writing something and you don't know what happens next so if you're writing chapter four but you don't know what happens in chapter five but you do know what happens in chapter six skip chapter five and trust yourself that you'll be able to fill in the blanks later uh, that way you don't sit in front of a blank page forever wondering how you're going to get to the next stepping stone. You know, it doesn't matter. Just just, just leave it and come back to it. It will come to you. Trust yourself as a as a writer. And the other piece was honestly to, to give yourself permission to write a, re- a really terrible first draft. And I'll, I know people have said that before, but I'll expand on that a little bit. So when I first heard that, I thought, what do you mean give myself permission to write a terrible first draft? There's no way I'm sending a terrible first draft to anyone. But I was missing the point because the terrible first draft, I now actually call it a skeleton draft. So what I do after I've plotted, and I, I do now because I'm writing a book a year, I've started to plot far more heavily than I ever have before because I have deadlines and they tend to light a fire under my bottom. So I'll do um, uh, an outline, uh, very rudimentary, and then work with post-it notes, um, build those out into chapters with five bullet points each. So I'm adding stepping stones all the time. And then once I start writing, I'll do a very quick, dirty, fast skeleton draft, about two thirds of the word count, because I find it much easier to go back and edit a page of crap, basically, 
than writing more stuff on a blank page. So at least I have something to work with. So I'll have this skeleton and then I'll go back over it multiple, multiple times. I'll print it out a few times as well when I feel that I actually have something that I can edit longhand because that slows me down and make, makes me think differently and approach the story differently and just layer it. Like anybody who writes music, which I don't, or who can paint, which I can't, but if you think of a an artist, if they're, if they're drawing a portrait or painting a portrait, they don't start in the top right, or le- top left-hand corner and work their way perfectly down to the bottom right-hand corner. And it's, and it's wonderful and they never go back and edit. And it's the same with writing. Your first draft or your, your skeleton draft is going to be rubbish, but at least it gives you something to work with. Um, and I think that's why people abandon manuscripts so quickly because they they write something and it's their skeleton draft and they think it's so terrible they can't do anything with it and I'd venture that they're wrong they just need to layer it that is a great analogy um about like an artist putting together a painting you don't just start in one corner and flush it out in detail and continue down that's perfect I have a degree in painting because I only specialize in things that don't make a living wage apparently and (laughs) I have a degree in actually in actual like life painting and you're what you're talking about is called underpainting and I think about that a lot while I'm drafting is like this is underpainting yes you know right now I I also call it the draft where I just write what happens it's like I don't have characterization yes nobody's thinking anything nobody's feeling anything it's only what freaking happens it's like first she goes to the store and then there's a fight and then there's a murder and then there's a blah 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 like things just happen yes. no one and then that's the underpainting. It's interesting. That's what I do also. I kind of write in a quasi-screenplay format when I'm starting out. Mm. So it just has dialogue tags and kind of descriptions of scenery and stuff, but it's not even in prose. Um, I don't understand all those people who write first drafts that are like 150,000 words, and then they have to cut it down. I'm like, oh, where no. do you get all those words? Yeah, <laughs> I, exactly. You have to, you know, I'd, I'd rather write up than write 150,000 words yeah. and then have to cut 40 or yeah. 60 even. If I could do math. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all have our strengths. Some of us are good at math and some of us are good at painting. <laughs> I'm not good at either, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> I can draw a stick, man, if that helps. That does help. <laughs> you know what? It's like you're drawing a stick man and then you're adding things to him. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so before we go, question. Do you have a favorite unlikable female character? I do. I love Amy from Gone Girl. I think oh, she's my damn. most favorite unlikable character ever. And I think it's probably Gone Girl It is one of the books that I, I finished it and I put it down. And I thought, damn, I wish I'd written that. I wish yes. I'd written that book. Um, and again, I think both characters were, both Nick and Amy were, were highly unlikable. But I thought the way that I started off um, liking Amy, really, feeling sorry for her, and at the end thinking, oh, you're such a calculating bitch, <laughs> was was just incredible. I absolutely loved it. I, I loved that book. And I had a, had a, a semi-argument with my mum because she read it and she said, oh, you know, Amy should have gone, oh gosh, I'm going to spoil it now. You know, she she should have gone to prison and blah, blah. I said, no, this is so much better. It's so much. So it's just so evil. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, when I was when I was writing The Neighbours, I had an ending in mind. Um, 
that then just completely derailed and I ended up with the ending that I that I have in it, which I felt was much better because it wasn't all tied up neatly with a bow and a cherry on top, you know? I love um, the ending of The Neighbours. Oh, well, thank you. Thank yes. you. But yes, Amy's definitely a character I love to, I, I absolutely love. I can't even say I love to hate because I didn't hate her. I just thought she wasn't a very nice person, but she was so manipulative. She's perfect. Well, that's exciting because we are going to soon have a Gone Girl argument here on this Unlikable Female Characters podcast. Oh. So I'm very glad that you chose Amy. That's very I'll nice. be tuning in for that one. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think we were going to do it as our next episode, but I think we're going to wait until January because I know I want to reread the book again. I think I've yes, read it two or three too. times already, but I just, <laughs> I, it's one of my absolute favorites. And yes. I love Amy. I, <laughs> I'm i very glad she didn't go to jail. I think they both get what they deserve at the end. They yes. totally do. And I think an ending, like the ambiguous type of ending where it's done right, like that is the best kind of ending there is. When it's not done well, it's very unsatisfying. And so I can see why people sometimes don't like it. But when you're just not really sure what happens next, but you just feel kind of like unsettled, but also confident that these people are getting exactly what they deserve that is just the best kind of yes. ending in thrillers yes yes an ending that follows you around a bit yes you know? yes. yes i love that yeah well what's next for you hannah what you got coming up well i have um her secret son coming out may 28th and that's another domestic suspense it's a story about josh whose partner Grace of five years dies in an accident and she leaves behind her seven-year-old son Logan and Josh wants to organize legal guardianship for Logan but when he goes looking for the birth certificate he can't find it and there are many more secrets and mysteries that he comes across and and has to choose whether he wants to ignore or solve and ultimately that all leads to very very difficult decisions for him to make so yeah, poor Josh. I put him through hell and I love him. I'm so mean to him, but he's a great guy. He showed up every day without bearing a grudge. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a, a male protagonist? I do. The So I really, in The Neighbours, I loved writing Nate's chapters. And uh, when I wrote Her Secret Son, it was it was all, it all had to be from, from Josh's perspective. So the entire book is from a male's point of view. So that stretched me as an author too, that's for sure. I kept writing, uh, reading bits out to my husband saying, does this sound like a dude? You know, would a dude <laughs> say this? And I got the thumbs up. So let's see, the critics will uh, let me know, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Hannah. We've loved interviewing you. You're always just so fun to talk to. My pleasure. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, and Hannah, where can people follow you on social media in case they want to hear more from you? Oh, of course. So I'm on Facebook, Hannah Mary McKinnon. I'm on Twitter as Hannah M. McKinnon because we couldn't fit in the Mary. And I'm on Instagram as Hannah Mary McKinnon as well. There is another Hannah McKinnon author. She's American and blonde, which I am not, and writes wonderful, wonderful books. Um, so if you see someone who's blonde and American, it's not me. I've got okay. curly brown hair. So. Not, the, not the blonde one. Got it. <laughs> no, and the one with Mary in the middle. Okay, great. That's bloody Mary, as my mum calls me. <laughs> <laughs> So if you'd like to keep listening to Unlikable Female Characters, please hit the subscribe button. Uh, you can find us online at uh, www.unlikablefemalecharacters.com, and that's unlikable, U-N-L-I-K-E-A-B-L-E. We've got that American E in there. 
and we're on Twitter as unlikablefcpod and on Instagram as unlikablefemalecharacters.